2: You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into... Camelot! 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 It's only a model. Knights, I bid you welcome to your new home. Let us ride to Camelot! Hello,
1: and welcome to Who Will Save Generation X, the trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I am Zave, your host, and today we have two great contestants ready to compete for fabulous prizes, and in the process do their part to save Generation X from being forgotten. Are you ready to do your part? Please play along with the contestants while you listen and see what rad prize you would have wanted if you were here with us, saving Generation X from fading into oblivion. We're so happy you've chosen to join us. I'm sure you're going to get a nice dose of nostalgia and maybe a few laughs along the way. So if everyone's ready, let's start the show. In this episode, we're going to celebrate our love for electronic music, classic TV shows, and some of the most beloved movies of the generation. There's something for everyone here, I hope, but if you like reminiscing about peche Mode, the love boat, and the princess bride, then this is an episode you might especially like.
2: Especially like.
1: We're going to save Generation X for future generations today with the material we cover with these two friends of over 25 years. I'm thrilled to have my two guests on the show today. Please welcome the host of Gen X Voice podcast and my friend, Trish the Dish.
3: Hey, Zave. Thanks for having me on today.
1: The pleasure is mine. I'm really excited to have you here, Trish.
3: And by the way, Gabe, prepare
1: to die. (laughs) And Trish will be playing against her friend and former guest on
4: her show, featured in the episode titled Risk Takers. Please welcome Gabriel. Hey, everyone. Super excited to play today and give Trish a run for her money. I feel I'm going to leave her in the furthest, darkest corner of the Twilight Zone.
1: (laughs) Oh, Gabriel, have you been looking at my notes about the (laughs) title stuff we're going to go over? But before we meet them properly, let's give a quick overview of the games we're going to be playing today. If you're new to the show, this is how we play. The show is broken up into three rounds of games. The winner of each of the first two rounds will receive an advantage in the following round, and the player who wins round three will win a chance at today's fabulous prize. Please note that the word fabulous is very subjective in the previous sentence. We're going to jump right into round one now and get the games rolling. Round one. Hey, Trish and Gabriel, you know, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both. And there you have our first game of the day. It's a game we call The Facts of Life. In this game, we take the top 10 crowdsourced opinions about a topic and players must compete to identify them on a top 10 list. An incorrect answer gets you a strike and the player who gets three strikes loses the round. The winner of round one will be awarded the power, power. which is the position will grant them advantages throughout the show. So no points are awarded for round one, but having the power is a great advantage in each round. Andy Fletcher, Martin Gore, and Dave Gahan are the principal trio that make up the band Depeche Mode. So let me translate what Depeche Mode means to you two in French. It means uh, either hurried fashion or fashion dispatch, you know, just so in case you didn't know what it means in French. There it is.
4: (laughs) I feel so enlightened now. Thank you. You're welcome.
3: All those years of studying French, we just never knew that.
4: <laughs> For the
1: listeners, uh, that joke is funny because uh, Gabriel and Trish both speak French better than I speak English. So there's that. The best mode they have released a total of 14 studio albums, 10 compilation albums, six live albums, 13 video albums, 71 music videos and 54 singles they have sold over 100 million records and have played live to more than 30 million fans worldwide prestigious publications have called depeche mode the most popular electronic band of the world has ever known one of the greatest british pop groups of all time and the quintessential 80s techno pop band and they have been included in the list of top 50 bands that have changed the world Depeche Mode's ability to remain relevant through the decades is a testament to their adaptability, to changing music demands, and just pure genius. This episode's Facts of Life lists ask you to name the top 10 greatest songs of Generation X by the legendary band Depeche Mode. Over 91,000 votes have been cast by fans to make up this list, and in the spirit of the podcast, we have limited the top answers to the songs that have been released up until 1990, Okay. So that means songs up to the release of Violator are on this list. That means songs like It's No Good, Home, and Barrel of a Gun will not be on the list, despite Barrel of a Gun being the song played during the first dance at my wedding. We flipped the coin backstage to determine who goes first, and Gabriel, you won the coin flip. So tell me, Gabriel, what are the greatest songs of the Pesh Mode of Generation X?
4: Oh, I think we're going to have to say... The, I mean the, oh my gosh you're taking me back to the cassettes in my uh, in my old cassette player um oh there there are so many but I, I have to say at least we have to have people are people that one I think that's got to be on the list
1: yeah so people people are people did not make the top 10 list I'm sorry that was number 16 on the list but that was my introduction yeah that's my introduction to Depeche mode as well that's the first song I ever remember on the radio and saying who are these guys I really like the message you know
3: uh yeah. I love the message,
1: Gabriel. Let's strike one. Trish, what do you got?
3: Personal Jesus.
0: Reach out, touch faith.
1: Ten on the list.
3: Ten. Yes. Whoa. Okay. Okay.
1: That's my <laughs> personal <laughs> favorite, The Peshmen song.
3: Fantastic.
1: So no strikes. Yeah, I
3: should have started with my favorites, <laughs> but oh well. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, it's hard to know on the survey what, what fans like versus what yeah. your personal tastes are. Because but... I
3: haven't said my absolute favorite, which is my absolute favorite song in the universe.
1: Well, we'll hear it next time. Gabriel, your turn.
4: I can't believe that people are people with summer 16. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Same. I, I think we have to, okay, um, never let me down again. That I know that's before Violator. That's got to be there.
1: Number two on the list. Well done,
3: yes, Gabriel. that is my second all-time favorite song from them. Good job. That was on music for the masses, which I got when I was 15.
1: 1987.
3: Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say, wait, oh my god, how do I not know the title? All I ever wanted, all I ever needed is here in my eyes. Is it in my eyes? That doesn't, why doesn't that sound right? That's Peter Gabriel. That's what I thought. Okay, <laughs> here in but I don't Can I think give that's a the hint, title. Gabriel? It's Enjoy the Silence.
1: Enjoy the Silence. Number one on the list.
3: Yes, that is the greatest all-time song ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My introduction to that song was weird. I, I remember sitting in a, a dark room all by myself with headphones on, and they released that song but it was like a, I don't know, 28 or 30 minute remix of that song. I'm like, wow, the song is amazing, but damn, it's long. This is the (laughs) longest song ever.
3: The first electro dance mix ever.
1: That that was my introduction to it. I thought that was like the regular studio, you know, cut. Well done, Trish. You have the tiebreaker by getting the number one answer,
4: Gabriel. So one Uh, strike so far, you're still in this. I had, I had a feeling that this was going to come down to it. Um, Trish, especially since you're wearing the T-shirt, my gosh, <laughs> I'm already at a disadvantage. I, I think we have to go with um, f- Photographic.
1: I have the top 69 songs on the list. I'm looking for <laughs> Photographic. Photographic is number 44 on the list. Aww.
4: That's
3: that's a deep cut, Gabriel. That's a deep cut. I,
1: I'm, yeah. I'm feeling Speak it. feeling Spell, 1981 album.
3: Yes, the that's very right. first. That was a
1: good one. Oldie but a goodie. That is your second strike. Trish. Keep it going. Just game. can't
3: get enough, which is now a Target commercial, to, much to my chagrin. Oh, you should Scrolling. be looking down on the
1: list that long. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa.
3: How is that not one of the top 10? Wow. Am I going to get a strike? Yes, <laughs>
1: you're, gonna, you're definitely getting a strike. Trish says oh. one strike for you. Let me find it, though, for the <laughs> listeners. Oh, just it's number 18 on the list. So just outside the top 10. So one strike for Trish, two strikes for Gabriel. Back to you, Gabriel. Here's your chance to get back in.
4: Okay. I'm, I'm feeling this now. I'm feeling it. It's It's got to be personal Jesus. Matthew, That's got to be on the list. Personal answer. Jesus is an outstanding answer.
1: It was also Trisha's answer from uh, two guesses ago, which no. was number 10. No. <laughs> no we're, we're not judges. Are we going to give him a strike? <laughs> no, the judges are going to let you get another chance. <gasps> okay. Oh,
3: you lucky guy.
4: <laughs> it was already said. You got to say a new song. Yeah. Nothing else is coming to me. That's it. That's all I got.
3: You're going to have to say something, though. Yeah, we got the
4: real green you, slime on your head. Wow. No. Well, Violator was in there. I know that was the name of one of the songs, too. So I'm just gonna, I'm going to say a Violator.
1: Violator is not. I don't think it's the name of a song either. Yeah, it's just right. name yeah. on. That's all right. It's OK, Gabriel. That is your third strike, though. Mm. That means, Trish, you have one round one and you have the power.
3: Yay. Yay. All my friends listening are like, she better, because that one song is her favorite song of all time, and I'm wearing the shirt.
1: (laughs) Gabriel, I didn't realize we're dealing with a super fan, so uh, I I feel like this top 10 list might have been a little bit unbalanced out of your favor. My apologies. Am I in
3: your head now, Gabriel? I'm
1: I'm going (laughs) to. Let's go down the top 10 list. There's a whole lot of game left, so let her talk her smack now.
3: (laughs) That's a true story.
1: We'll go through the top 10 list. Number 10 was Personal Jesus. Number nine, you guys did not get, which was Behind the Wheel. Number eight, World in My Eyes. Number seven, <laughs> Stripped. Number six is Shake the Disease. Number five, Black Celebration.
3: I was going to say that next. Yeah. Oh, my God.
1: my son. Number four, Strange Love. Number three, Everything Counts. Number two was uh, Never Let Me Down Again, which Gabriel got. And number one was Enjoy the Silence, Enjoy. their biggest commercial hit.
4: I can't believe that, okay, whatever, Master and Servant isn't in there. That should be there for sure. Or b- yeah. Blasphemous Rumors. I know, right?
1: Like, blasphemous Rumors was number 12. One. I'll send you guys the list. Uh, we right. can, oh, please we, do. You know, just for all the fans out there that, you know, I, I realized that Depeche Mode's got a lot of fans. And a lot of people are very passionate about their music. The judges make up the list. I don't make up the list. So please direct all your hates towards the judges and not me. Thank you.
3: Definitely going to tweet at them after the show.
4: They they are prolific, though. I mean, we have to we have to give them that. I, they had so many different albums in the eighties. Oh was yeah. Just, uh, I mean, just, was, just the just fact so that many. you
3: went through that whole thing, even just introducing this category, I yeah. was like, wow, they are really amazing.
1: They make the holy trinity of music uh, for me. That's the the Cure, the Smiths, and Depeche Mode.
3: Yep, oh. that's why I knew you were a cool human, zape. When you said <laughs> that one time, I was like, this is this is my brother. <laughs>
1: Before we start round two, let's take a moment to better meet our contestants. The judges are the gatekeepers of all things Gen X on the show. And to that end, they are requesting to know from our contestants about their Gen X credentials. Apart from being born between 1965 and 1980, what qualifies you to claim yourself as part of Generation X and what might potentially disqualify you from being Generation X? Please welcome to the show, Gabriel.
4: All right, well, I was born in 1977, so at the tail end of the uh, of the Gen X cohort, and I grew up in sunny and hot Mesa, Arizona, in the Phoenix metro area, and I moved around in the United States quite a bit, lived in Wisconsin for several years, then moved to New York and lived in Brooklyn for several years before I moved across the pond and uh, decided to stay in cold, rainy, foggy Brussels, Belgium for almost seven years. And after getting enough rain and wet and uh, just terrible weather, my wife and I decided to settle down here in San Jose, California, where I am today. Now, I grew up watching old Westerns on a black and white TV that had a rotary dial to turn the the stations. (laughs) Uh, I used to sneak Twinkies while watching Robotech on weekday mornings before school and while I watched the Smurfs on the weekends. And I would sit in a little corner in my room and read G.I. Joe comics and Garfield comics after school. I used to ride my bike through housing developments just like Elliot did in ET, and I pestered my older brother for a few years when he lived with us to get him to teach me how to beat Metroid on the Nintendo. (laughs) I feel my greatest credential, though, is that my very first concert was Weird Al Yankovic, where he sang George, George of the Jungle, and there was a huge projected animation on the stage that accompanied the song, and my mom was holding my ears the entire concert. (laughs) One of my
1: biggest regrets in life is never seen Weird Al in concert. Mm. I had an opportunity and I passed like an idiot. Wah, wah. <laughs> okay. What are some uh, disqualifiers you got, Gabriel?
4: So my, my disqualifier is likely that I grew up in the Phoenix metro area and didn't get a lot of <laughs> pop culture love given it's so damn hot. And the time was at that point, there was so few people that lived there. Um, that it was something that was missed or just not noticed by mainstream American life. Also, my parents just refused forever to get cable. So I think I missed out on a fair amount of pop culture from all the various different TV shows and uh, specifically MTV. I think that was the one that I missed the most. So, Yeah, no
1: MTV growing up. That's kind of like child abuse, I think.
3: A hundred percent. For us, yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: Judges, can Gabriel continue with the show? I'm being told you're we're gonna let you in.
3: <laughs> just by the hair of your chinny chin chin. Man.
1: I mean it's not your fault. I mean, you're just a kid. You can't get cable yourself. That's not that you know, we can't we can't slam you for that.
4: Just want my MTV.
1: Thanks for being on the show, Gabriel. And Trish, welcome to the show. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your Gen X credentials and disqualifiers.
3: Well, again, thanks for having me on the show, Zabe. Super excited to be here. I, you know, actually did a lot of the same things that that Gabriel did. You know, I I lived kind of all over the United States as a little kid. I was born in Albuquerque, but I lived in Southern California and Utah, actually in Illinois. I've also lived in Oregon and New York, a couple times in France, London. But I decided that I love Arizona so much. I've moved here three times. So I've moved here <laughs> once in uh, to Flagstaff, moved away, then came back Tucson, moved away, and then came back to Phoenix. So definitely a desert dweller. I was born in 1975, so I'm kind of in that weird spot between being at the end and being right in the middle because I have so many memories like I would basically, oh, I went I went to the mall to see a Christmas story in here. first grade with my friends alone without chaperones because <laughs> you could still do that in the early 80s. And then I'd wake up early before school, before I caught the bus. To play Street Fighter at the local donut shop. Um, <laughs> and then after school, I'd play Mario Brothers at the pizza place at that. I take different bus stops just so I could play different video games. But my biggest thing that i would say that my biggest qualifier is when i lived in a community that had an arcade i would skateboard to the arcade with my uncle who was eight years older and was a champion at dragon slayer so he was actually he's the older end of gen x and he was my hero so we would skateboard the arcade and uh man, he would just slay that dragon. So that's pretty Gen X. I don't think any other generation can claim that. But here's the disqualifier that might get me off the show. I never saw E.T. as a kid.
1: What? Phone home, Trish.
3: Yeah. And I was obsessed with E.T. Like I have <laughs> but never had saw little the movie. figurines <laughs> and I never, I didn't get the whole, like he was dressed up. Like I just loved that. Like little figurine uh, loved Reese's pieces. And, like, <laughs> and so didn't see it till I was about 13 and I've never seen it since because I cried so hard. I don't know what they did to us as kids, but those, all the movies were oh, so yeah. traumatizing. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right to piggyback on what you said trish there was a time when we were just dropped off at the movies and my story is i saw star wars in the movie theater probably between 70 and 100 times and how that happened that's not an exaggeration my dad my dad used to drop me and my older brother off at the movie theater with 20 bucks and say i'll see you when i'm done with work and we that was like our babysitter Our, our our childcare was movie theaters and we would movie hop all over the place watching movies all day and I was I was four years old (laughs) and I had my older brother to look after me and he was seven so we that that was (laughs) that uh, that was not right yeah that was our experience growing up with movies
3: wow god that sounds amazing (laughs) I would have loved that
1: (laughs) oh I've seen a million movies that I probably shouldn't have as a very young child you know, because no one's stopping me. Despite not seeing E.T. in theaters, judges, are we going to let Trish? Trish, you're allowed to stay on the show. Congratulations. On to round two.
3: Round two. I've Great. listened to your show so much, I'm like, round two.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Bring it. I'm so
3: glad you didn't beat me at the Depeche Mode part, Gabriel, because that would have been... I mean, I know you're going to slaughter me and the rest, but... Oh,
4: come on. Who knows, right?
3: I know right, these are so hard sometimes. <laughs> it's well, like people are people aren't in there. You couldn't get out of that. Where? You were you that like froze your brain I that think. That was
4: it. After that I was like there's something wrong with the list.
3: Well, I guess I can't do this game. There's something wrong with the list.
4: <laughs> Does not
1: compute. Clearly something's wrong with the list, right? <laughs> <laughs> Round 2 today is a game we call 8 is enough. In this game I'll ask a total of 8 questions four to each contestant. Points are awarded for each correct answer, two points for a complete correct answer, and one point for a partial correct answer, which is up to the judge's discretion. At any time, players can appeal the judge to make a ruling for a partial correct answer and making their case through loud arguments and putting the judges in their place. The player who currently has the power, which is you, Trish, gets to choose between two questions to answer. Players take turns answering questions with a chance to steal if their opponent answers incorrectly. A steal is worth one point, but more importantly, a steal also takes the power away from their opponent. You cannot lose points for an incorrect answer. However, all questions must be given an answer, no matter how incorrect it might be. So if you don't know the answer, just make something up and try and make it entertaining, please. The winner of round two will make a secret trip to the prize vault and choose a prize that you'll both be playing for in round three. However, the player who has the power at the end of the round will go first in round three, which is a huge advantage. So try and end the game with the power if you can. So here we go. Trish, you have the power. You've got the power. I got the power.
3: (laughs) Skin, 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 kind (laughs) of hectic.
1: Trish, you can pick between these two questions. Will it be express yourself, which is a music slash television question? Or will it be do not pass go, do not collect $200, which is a games question, if you can imagine that.
3: I I think I'm going to try the Express Yourself one because I love that song by Madonna, and I'm hoping that's good luck.
1: Well, we'll find out. On January 14th, 1984, Madonna made her North American network television debut, performing Holiday on the Dick Clark-hosted show American Bandstand. Dick Clark asked Madonna, quote, what do you hope will happen, not only in 1984, but for the rest of your professional life? What are your dreams? What's left? End quote. What was Madonna's reply? This is a multiple choice. Was it A, I want to be like Gandhi and Martin Luther King and John Lennon, but I want to stay alive. Or was it B, I'd love to be a memorable figure in history of entertainment in some sexual comic or tragic way. I would like to leave the impression Marilyn Monroe did to be able to arouse so many different feelings in people. Or was it C, I would like to see the Pope wearing my t-shirt. Or was it D, finally, to rule the world?
3: Oh, that's so hard because every single one of those things I can hear her saying. But I think in those days, it wasn't quite the Marilyn Monroe thing and that she really had her heart set on ruling the world. And I can kind of see her cute little bedangled, braceleted hand say D.
4: D is correct. Woo! I was certain that it was going to be I went to see the pope. See my-
0: I mean, can <laughs> oh, you hear one? her saying that? Yeah, like totally. I
3: totally hear her saying that, but I feel like that was like she was still kind of maybe not quite like that yet.
1: Her blonde ambition wasn't quite as ambitious as I was. Not
3: yet, yeah. Just rule the well, world. Well, to rule the world,
1: that's pretty ambitious, I uh, Yeah, I know. We are a couple of weeks into the new year. What do you hope will
2: happen not only in nineteen eighty-four, but for the rest of your professional life? What are your dreams? What's left? Mm,
0: to rule the world.
2: There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Madonna.
1: Love her or hate hater, there's no doubt that Madonna has been arguably as big of a star as anyone else in the past 40 years and has certainly been influential to millions more than many of the world's leaders. All of the multiple choice answers are actual quotes from Madonna, including this one. If I was a girl, I would like to be like my fans. I would like to be like Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> Okay.
3: Yep. A little narcissistic. That's why she's endured all these years, for sure. That's
1: my favorite quote of hers. I think that's awesome. (laughs) So that's two points for you, Trish. The dish, onto you, Gabriel. You have this question to answer. It's called, do not pass go, do not collect $200. The classic board game Monopoly is a shared experience by many Gen Xers that help to equally bring families together while also ripping them apart at the same time. This is a two-part question. Which is the property in Monopoly that is the most expensive to purchase and what is the rent charged when landing there without any property upgrades? You give me the property then I'll give you a multiple choice for the rent price,
4: okay? Oh, Ooh, well it's boardwalk, that's the most expensive one.
1: So here's the multiple choice for the rent price. Was it A, $30? B, $40? C, $50? Or D, $69? 69 I'm going to have to go with C, $50. $50 is correct. Here's your Monopoly fun fact. Elizabeth Maggie Phillips is credited with inventing the game in 1902. She called it the landlord's game. She created the game with two sets of rules, an anti-monopolist rule set in which all are rewarded when wealth is created, and a monopolist set in which the goal was to create monopolies and crush your opponents. According to her biographer, her dualistic approach was a teaching tool meant to demonstrate that the first set of rules was morally superior. On November 5th, 1935, the creator signed over her patent to the game she invented to the Parker Brothers for 500 bucks. The first set of rules were then discarded and billions of players of future generations were taught that crushing your opponents is what's best in life.
0: Why
2: don't we play Monopoly? (laughs) That's it, baby. Welcome to Marvin Gardens. Oh, we'll see about that. One, two, three... You're a little light here, Dad. I'm good for the rest, you know I am. Well, I'd like to trust you, Homer, but you've been in jail three times.
4: They told me it would be like this on the outside.
2: Why, you little... Stop (laughs) fighting! Hello? It sounds like a domestic disturbance another case of monopoly related violence chief how do those parker brothers sleep at night wow oh man but
3: but here's the question guys do you play with whenever you uh have to pay luxury tax or anything that your money goes into the middle of the board free parking you get you actually get it no. what
4: no that's that's Gabriel, not
1: acceptable. You're a rule follower, man. Yeah. We make our own rules, <laughs> damn it. Right? Yeah. Free parking, you get the pot.
3: I can't believe you never played that way. That's some crazy, that's some crazy oh, stuff we, you did there in Mesa.
4: I, I have played that way, but that's not the way we play here.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's not how you're raising your children to play? No,
4: the rule says the money goes back to the bank, period. The bank wins. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I don't know how that happened, but I remember... We always grew up with the, you know, all the money goes in the pot. You land on free parking, you get all the money. I don't know how that came about, but I remember when someone pointed out to me, there's like a huge argument. Like I was with like one of my best friends and, and like, we got into this brawl about the rules and he's like, look, here's the rules right here. Like pointed out. I'm like, yeah, I still think it's better the other way. (laughs)
3: Listen, I've played in Illinois, Texas, Arizona. I I've, I really have met someone who didn't play that way. And I always won them over and was like, dude, let's just play it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Gabriel's shaking his head. No, we'll see what happens. (laughs) Just wait. (sighs) It's fun to get that pop.
1: Okay, so Trish, you retain the power power. and you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be, I swear in the soul of my father, Domingo Montoya, you will reach the top alive, which is a movie question, or will it be, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, which is a TV movie question.
3: I'm going to go with the second option.
1: Nightmare at 20,000 Feet? Yeah. Okay. This is a television slash movie question. This was foreshadowed by Gabriel earlier in the show. The Twilight Zone was a popular anthology TV show that most of us Gen Xers watched as reruns on one of the five or six channels we had to pick from growing up. One of the most memorable episodes is entitled Nightmare at 20,000 Feet that features a passenger on an airplane discover that a gremlin is attempting to sabotage the plane that they're flying in. This episode is so popular that it was remade into a segment in Twilight Zone the movie in 1983. In both versions of the story, the protagonist slowly grows insane by the experience and the viewer is left with the reveal that the gremlin is not sabotaging the plane as much as it is sabotaging the man. Name each of the two very famous actors who played the sabotage men in the classic story from The Twilight Zone. So which actors portrayed those characters in the movie and the TV show? What do you got, Trish?
3: Well, William Shatner definitely was in the TV show version and I'm I can't remember the movie one, so but I feel like it was like John Lithgow.
1: John Lithgow and William Shatner are correct. Whoa! Well done.
3: Whoa! Wow.
1: You pulled that out.
3: Well, I just had the, like the smallest hint of him being crazy on a plane. And I was like, that had to be that movie.
1: Well Whoa! done. That was impressive. Most impressive. I'm just
3: gonna sit back here because I don't know how long this lecture will last.
2: <laughs> what you're looking at could be the end of a particularly terrifying nightmare. It isn't. It's the beginning. Introducing Mr. John Valentine, air traveler. His destination: the Twilight Zone. You're perfect
1: so far in the game. Let me read you the fun fact. This storyline was remade for a third time in the 2019 reboot of the show. The episode was called "Nightmare at 30,000 Feet." You know, because they like to one up us. But in true unnecessary reboot fashion. They changed everything we loved about the original to the point that it is only a reboot in name only. In this version, there is no gremlin at all in the episode, but instead the passenger on the plane is slowly driven crazy by a sinister podcast host who uses his influence over him to ultimately crash the plane as he submits to the words of the podcast host. In this utter nonsense and implausible show, as if a podcast host could in any way force his will over his listeners to do something that they would not ordinarily do. There's no way in God's green earth that a podcast host could say, oh, you must do this or that, or you have no choice, blah, blah, blah. Ridiculous. And we'll talk more about how ridiculous that is after a word from our sponsor. If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider giving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts and subscribing to future episodes. It costs you nothing to give us a positive review and subscribe, but it would mean a whole lot to me. You must subscribe and tell a friend about the show. You have no choice. We'd love to have you as a friend of the show. Thanks so much. So that's two points for you, Trish. And Gabriel, you get this question called, I swear on the soul of my father, Domingo Montoya, you will reach the top alive, Which is a movie question. In the beloved movie, The Princess Bride, after kidnapping Princess Buttercup, Vicini, Indigo, and Fezzik take her straight up a sheer cliff face in an attempt to escape the pursuit of the man in black. What is the name of the cliff face that they scale? There's no multiple choice here, Jason. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Sorry, buddy.
3: That's totally what I thought when he asked me mine too.
4: <laughs> God. I, 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 the impossible cliff. I have no idea.
1: That is a good guess, but is also incorrect. Mm. Trish, can you steal this?
3: I sure hope so. Um, oh. The Cliffs of Insanity.
1: That is correct. Oh. Prepare to die. <laughs> <laughs> the cliffs are a real place located in County claire Ireland, called the Cliffs of Moher. They rise up 214 meters from the sea. For my American listeners who have no idea how much a meter is, let's say it's roughly 700 feet. Wallace Shawn, the actor who played Vicini, was deathly afraid of heights. They used a forklift to raise up all four actors in the close-up for the scene, and Wallace Shawn was said to have almost passed out after only being raised up several inches and was unable to say his lines. Andre the Giant then patted him on the head and told him not to worry and that he would take care of him. The scene went off without any issue after he was reassured by the giant.
0: He didn't fall? Inconceivable! You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means.
3: That's a real place in Ireland. I feel yeah. like I need to make a pilgrimage there someday <laughs> just for just for that clip.
4: <laughs> so the score is
1: five points for Trish, two points for Gabriel. Gabriel, don't hang your head. There's still plenty of game left. Anything can still happen. I'm counting on it. <laughs> Trish, pick uh, a hard one. Un de <laughs> you can pick between these two questions, Trish. Will it be, well, that's no ordinary rabbit. That's the most foul, cruel, and bad-tempered rodent you've ever laid eyes on. That's a movie question. Or will it be, come aboard, we're expecting you. Oh
3: man, I know. I feel like I'm going to do good on either one. So I'll just pick the first one because that's got to be a Holy Grail kind of
1: thing. In Monty Python and the Holy Grail, Arthur and his knights battle a killer rabbit at the cave of Cairo Banog. However, a frontal assault on the rabbit was unsuccessful. What did Arthur tell Brother Maynard to use in order to defeat his unstoppable killing machine of a bunny?
3: Well, was it to just scream run away? <laughs> no, I know that's not <laughs> Run <right>. away! <laughs> that's the only part I remember. Uh, a sword? God, I thought I would get this way.
1: A sword is incorrect. Gabriel, here's your opportunity to steal, get a point,
4: and steal the power.
3: Oh, no! I didn't know he could steal the power.
4: <laughs> oh, it's, mine. it's mine. It's mine. It's <laughs> mine. He asks for the holy hand grenade of Antioch. That is correct. Wow.
3: (laughs) I was so not uh, even on that train.
0: Wow.
4: That is the perfect response. You have stolen the power. power. Oh, Lord, bless this thy hand grenade that if thou mayest blow thine enemies to tiny bits in thy mercy. (laughs) Well, you pretty much stole my uh, fun fact.
3: (laughs) I'm not worthy to be in this room right now. That is amazing.
1: (laughs) Yes, we all bow down together. Dang it!
3: I should have said the left boat won. <laughs> 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 I was so confident. See what happens,
2: kids. Yeah, that was, you said a that that was dope. That was dope, dude.
3: Well
1: done.
2: And the Lord spake, saying, First shalt thou take out the holy pin. Then shalt thou count to three, no more, no less. Three shall be the number thou shalt count, and the number of the counting shall be three. Four shalt thou not count." neither count thou two, excepting that thou then proceed to three. Five is right out. Once the number three, being the third number, be reached, then lobbest thou thy holy hand grenade of Antioch towards thy foe, who being naughty in my sight, shall snuff it? Amen.
0: Oh, Amen.
2: Oh,
1: okay, that brings a score, three points for Gabriel, five points for Trish the Dish, This question's called, Come Aboard, We're Expecting You. It's a television question. The Love Boat was a romantic comedy drama television series that aired on ABC from 1977 to 1986. The series was set on a luxury passenger cruise ship called the Pacific Princess and revolved around the ship's passengers played by guest actors for each episode, having romantic and humorous adventures. The Love Boat used a guest star cast anthology format, but there were only eight principal cast members of the show's nine seasons. Name four cast members of the show. Their characters' names.
4: Oh, man. I can get, uh, I know it's Captain Stubbing. I think there was Lovelace. There was the Doc. And, oh, I'm I'm just going to go with Mary.
1: <laughs> well, there's four. You get four four names. So you're going to get Mary?
4: I'll get Mary. That'll be my fourth one.
1: it has got to be okay.
0: Mary
4: in there someplace. No, Lange. 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 There's a Lange in there. I, there's got to be a Lange. Lange?
1: Yeah. Well, no, these are the character names, not the not the actor's names. <laughs> Ted, Ted <laughs> Lange you know, or Ted me. Lange. <laughs> he was an actor was in it. Yeah, okay. Well, Regardless, okay. Gabriel, I'm sorry. That is incorrect. <laughs> would you like to
3: try and steal this? I would. Um, let's see. Vicky, Captain Steubing, Gopher, and Doc. That is correct that's ah, a one point nice
4: Steve. one nice one okay. which i
3: should have taken that one
4: <laughs> it's okay
3: oh, it would have changed everything no i'm just kidding <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the cast is captain steubing the ship's doctor adam doc bricker as he's called there was gopher bartender isaac finger guns washington there was your cruise director julie mccoy Vicki Steubing, which you got, and she was the captain's daughter. There was Judy McCoy. That was Julie's sister and the successor as the cruise director when uh, Julie wanted to leave. And there's also show killer Ted McGinley as the ship's photographer with the most privileged sounding character name I can ever remember is Ashley Ace Covington Evans. Ace.
3: Yeah. Ace. I liked him much better on Married with Children.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. To make the boat come alive, the production was shot on two real cruise ships, the Pacific Princess and the Island Princess. Real cruises were booked by actual passengers that played extras during certain scenes that required a more authentic look. Cruises that were going to be used for shooting always sold out, and the tickets for those vacations were up to $8,550 in 1983. Adjusted for inflation, that would be over $23,000 today. That's a lot of coochie coochie.
0: <laughs> Whoa!
3: That's crazy crazy it is Great.
0: the love
4: boat i mean oh, it is man. the love loved, loved watching boat.
3: that my my grandma let me watch that and fantasy island right after and johnny carson like i was really spoiled with my grandma she let me stay up all night long i was like <laughs> a little kid
4: like five <laughs> well, that's that's an all star lineup, though, right? Oh, for real! The Love Boat followed by Fantasy Island, and then Johnny Carson. And yeah, that's that's good TV.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if they were on on the same nights, but I. Feel I don't like, think they
4: were, but yeah,
3: because uh, yeah, wasn't Love Boat and Fantasy Island like a weekend or like Saturday Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night? night. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I feel like you guys talked about that in an episode recently. The Pacific Princess will be leaving Cabo San Lucas in thirty minutes. Hi. And back. Well, how was Cabo San Lucas? Oh, what a day. Are you ready for this? I had four Tom Collins, three Jack Daniels, and a Paco Martinez. What's a Paco Martinez? He's the beach boy at the hotel.
0: <laughs> As we go
1: into our final round of questions. So, Gabriel, you took over the power at the best possible moment. You can pick between these two questions. Will it be, I'll have what she's having, which is a movie question. Or will it be named that Auto Tune Early 90s edition? I'll go with the first one, please. Okay. I'll have what she's having. It's a movie question. In the 1989 romantic comedy, When Harry Met Sally, explain to me how Harry met Sally.
4: <laughs> oh man. I could I should have gone with the second one. <laughs> I think I think that they they I think they met in a park on a on a bench. Judges.
1: I'm sorry, that is incorrect, Gabriel. Trish, can you steal this?
3: They met in a deli.
1: Deli? I'm sorry. That is incorrect as well. They did not <laughs> meet in a deli. That's the one part I can't yeah.
3: believe we don't know. It's like yes. so in, it's the integral title. to the story. The title the of the movie. Of
1: the, it's okay. It is okay. I wouldn't have gotten this one either. In 1977, Harry Burns and Sally Albright graduates <gasps> from the University of Chicago and share a drive. A road trip together. Yep. They share a drive to New York City where Sally is beginning journalism school and Harry is starting a career. During the drive, Harry and Sally discuss differing ideas about relationships. Sally disagrees with Harry's assertion that men and women cannot be friends as the sex part always gets in the way. At dinner, Harry tells Sally she's very attractive and she angrily accuses him of making a pass at her. They part in New York on unfriendly terms. That's how they met. The famous I'll have what she's having scene was born from the need for Sally to have more to talk about in the movie. The idea of faking orgasms was brought up and Meg Ryan suggested the quote, Well, why don't I just fake one? They had to do the scene multiple, multiple times. And Ryan had to demonstrate her fake orgasms for hours in front of strangers. They shot it so many times that Billy Crystal said he ate 27 pastrami sandwiches sitting across from her. Director Rob Reiner recalled that at the test screening of the scene, all the women in the audience were laughing hysterically while all the men were sitting there in silence.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'll have what she's having. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe we didn't get that, Gabriel. I I wonder how many people were screaming into their their headphones or speakers.
1: So there's no points for anybody on that question. The score is still five points for Trish. And three points for Gabriel. Now we'll go to the final question. It's called Name That Auto-Tune Early 90s Edition. This is a head-to-head challenge. For this question, the judges will perform a popular Gen X song from the early 90s, and you have to give me the title and artist of the song. The catch here is that the judges are terrible performers, and they will also be using a fake British accent to make things sound more confusing and silly than is necessary. For those of you new to the show, I have been waiting to receive an email from any of my two listeners in the United Kingdom to see how they're enjoying the podcast thus far. Last episode, I opened it up to any and all of our international listeners, but the judges have yet to hear from anyone. So shout out to all of our international listeners. We love you and we thank you for listening, but the lame and unwarranted British jokes and accent will continue until we are contacted to do otherwise. I'd love to see how the show is translates internationally Let us know how we're doing, international listeners. The email address is whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. It's all one word, or you can put down your fish and chips long enough, aka french fries, to check out the show notes, and you can find the email address there as well. We love our international listeners, and we'd love to say hi. Now back to the game. There are a total of three songs that you'll take turns answering, with the regular rules applying for stealing the power as well as stealing points. So that means this question could potentially be worth up to five points to one of you. So anything can still happen. There is a theme for these three songs as well. So pay attention, and that might help you figure out the right answers. So Trish, this is the first song. Tell me artist and title of this crappy version of this song.
2: When you were here before, couldn't look you in the eye. You're just like an angel. Your skin makes me cry. You float like a feather in a beautiful world. I wish I was special. You're so f***ing special.
3: Oh, thank goodness. I could get that. That's Creep by Radiohead.
2: When you were here before, look you in the eye. You just like an angel. Your skin makes me cry.
3: And by the way, this is such a genius part of your show because it is so hard.
1: <laughs> You're correct on both points, Trish. <laughs> It is Ooh, difficult and you. that is the correct answer. Radiohead was <laughs> the Bartist. The song is called Creep. Seven points for you. Gabriel, you have to get this one to stay alive.
3: <laughs> no pressure.
1: No pressure. Here you go. Song number two. Early 90s song. Listen for the theme.
2: Take time with a wounded hand. Cause it likes to heal. Take time with a wounded hand. Guess I like to steal. Take time with a wounded hand. Cause it likes to heal. I like to steal. Artisan title. Want to hear it blanking.
4: again? Yeah, no, I'm blanking. Hearing it again won't help. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I was getting, maybe Jane's addiction, but I wouldn't know the name of the song, so I I, I think I'm wrong. Can't say I don't know. You're gonna get slimed, buddy.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> is that your answer? Yeah, we'll go with Jane's addiction. Jane's addiction, and I don't know, is not the correct answer. <laughs> Trish, can you steal this one?
3: Um, I know that song is also creep. And the name of the band, and I know that if my friend Brett was listening right now, he would be screaming at me because it's like his favorite band. And, and I, I know the band, but I can't remember the name at all. And it's going to like the minute you say it, I'm going to hurt myself. Like it's going to hurt inside <laughs> my heart.
1: Well, let's play it and watch you get hurt. Stone Temple Pilots. Stone Temple
3: Pilots!
1: Yeah, it's much easier with the music playing.
3: But it is Creep, right?
1: It is Creep by Stone Temple Pilots, yes. So no points for that one. Back to you, Trish. Can you run up the score and dunk all over Gabriel by getting this one correct?
2: The 22nd of loneliness. And we've been through so many things. I love my man with all honesty. But I know he's cheating on me. Look him in the eyes. But all he tells me is lies to keep me near. I'll never leave him down, though I might mess around. It's only because I need some affection. Oh. God, I don't
3: recognize that at all. Uh, Is it a Mary J. Blige song? <laughs> like, I can't think of any of her titles, though. That's so hard. I knew, I knew this would be so hard. This is so brilliant, by the way, because I had all this confidence. I was <laughs> nailing it, and then I'm just like,
1: Ours entitled oh, Trish God. the Dish.
3: Yeah, Mary J. Blige, and he's got to go.
0: <laughs>
4: Judges, I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Gabriel, you got this one. I, this Look is for like, the theme. It's it's definitely it's it's creep. It's hip hop. It's um uh it's not Mary J. Blige. I think it's I think it might be TLC. Oh. TLC is correct.
2: Outstanding.
3: I knew it would have been a hip hop song, but I just couldn't
1: wait so, to go Gabriel. Gabriel. That is a, that is a clutch oh, move right there. Cause wow. with that, you've stolen a point, but more importantly, you've stolen the power the power, power. that lets you go first in dysfunctional family feud, which is no! a huge advantage.
3: Oh man.
1: That is the power position. Oh. Trish the dish. Congratulations for winning round two. We're going to put your opponent in the waiting room while you and I take a secret trip to the prize vault, where you are going to select the prize that the two of you will be playing for in the final round. But before we do that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor.
0: After these messages,
2: we'll be right back.
3: What is Gen X? What is the silent generation? What do generations have in common? And as a bonus, each guest gets to answer some 80s questions at the end of each show. So download and listen to Gen X Voice today on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And let's see how much we
1: have in common after all. Round three. Round three is a prize round called Dysfunctional Family Feud. In this final round, I will ask the same five survey questions, Family Feud style, to each player in turn, and they will need to respond with what they think are the most popular responses from the Generation X timeline. That's the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. These are actual survey questions taken from actual people from Generation X that have been quizzed by the show via Facebook. The player who has the power, which is you, Gabriel, gets to answer first with player two unable to hear their responses. Player two will then have to give responses to the same five questions and beat the other player's score without duplicating any of their answers. Whoever gets more points wins the game and goes on to claim their chance at a prize that the winner of round two selected in secret. So Trish, we are going to put you in the waiting room. See you, Trish. Now, Gabe, it's you and I. Okay, Gabriel, you know how to play. I'm gonna ask you five survey questions, and you've got to give me the top responses from the Gen X timeline. You have five seconds to answer each question. You have one pass. And the pro tip is make sure you use your past. Don't waste it. Can't All you right. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. Name a TV show that had both black and white and color episodes. Uh, MASH. Which is the best James Bond movie?
4: Um, oof, I, I want to say Moonraker, but let's go with uh, A View to a Kill. Name a band
1: that has the word the in its name. Who? What is a word or phrase that was popular among Valley Girls?
4: Um, I'm going to pass. Good pass.
1: What was the best Arnold Schwarzenegger movie?
4: Oh my gosh. Um, uh, I'm going to have to say The
1: Terminator. And we're going to go back to the one you passed on. What is a word or phrase that was popular among Valley Girls?
4: Um, oh my gosh.
1: Judges. (laughs) Okay, Trish, you (sighs) have your work cut out for you. Oh, I knew it. I'm going to ask you the same five questions I asked Gabriel. You may not duplicate any of his answers. If you do, I'll say, try again. And you'll give me another answer. It's a little more difficult. So you get two passes. So pro tip, make sure you use your passes. Don't waste them. There's a manual five second timer. Okay. Your time will begin. After I finish reading, the first question Name a TV show that had both black and white and color episodes. Pass. Which was the best James Bond movie?
3: Octopussy. Hey,
1: this is a family show. You can keep your obscenities.
3: That's a terrible one. that wasn't licensed to ill or view to a kill because I figured that's going to be the one that Gabriel said
1: licensed to ill ill either yeah
3: View to a kill yeah
1: name a band that has the word the in it
3: The Cure
2: she knows who's hosting the show
1: what was a word or phrase that was popular among Valley Girls
3: gag me with a spoon
1: what was the best Arnold Schwarzenegger movie
3: um, Terminator 2.
1: And we're going to go back to the one you passed on. Name a TV show that had both black and white and color episodes.
3: The Munsters.
1: Okay. You still have a pass. <laughs> okay, guys, let's go to the scores. I asked you, name a TV show that had both black and white and color episodes. Gabriel, you gave us MASH, which did not make the survey worth zero points. Trish the Dish, you gave us Munsters, also did not make the list. So zero points for either of you. The number one answer was Bewitched.
3: Oh, I didn't like that show much. (laughs) It wasn't one of my
1: faves, but I remember that now. Didn't make an impression. Okay. Which is the best James Bond movie was the next question. Gabriel, you said A View to a Kill, which was the number three answer worth 17 points. Trish, you gave us the filthy title of Octopussy, which was the number one answer. No. I think no Gen X. Way. I think Gen Xers on Facebook just wanted to say octopusy.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> you can't oh beat God.
4: Christopher Walken. I'm sorry. That's I can't.
3: Too- or that Duran Duran song. I can't because both of those are definitely our zeitgeist. Uh, but dang! It's okay. Uh, and I never saw octopusy. Did you?
4: I of never
0: course.
1: saw. It.
3: Oh, I didn't
1: saw them all. So that puts the score. Trish, you have 35 points with that number one answer. To Gabriel's 17. Next, I asked you. Name a band that has the word the in it. Gabriel, you gave us the number two answer with the who worth 20 points, bringing you to a total of 37 points. Oh. Trish the Dish gave us the cure, which was the number one answer. Oh. Worth oh. <laughs> An overwhelmingly dominant answer worth 45 points.
0: Wow.
1: Bring the score 37 it. to 80 in Trish's favor.
4: You're, you're mopping it up, Trish. Keep dancing.
1: next is give me a word or phrase that was popular among valley girls gabriel you gave me oh my gosh which we consulted the judges and the judges feel it is close enough to the number four answer which is oh my god which is worth 22 points bringing you to a total of 59 points trish you said gag me with a spoon which That quote has not really aged that well. I think that's, that's like a really (laughs) weird thing to say. It was weird back then. It sure sounds weird now. I don't know what it really means. Other than like. It
3: makes you sick is what it means. Yeah. It makes me sick. uh, Like gag me with a spoon. Like I'm so sick.
1: Right. But what's the spoon? What's (laughs) what's, what's that all about? Gag me with a spoon was the number one answer. (laughs) I don't believe it.
3: Not fair. I, I did spend a lot of time in SoCal, Gabriel. Like. Yeah. Lots, you know, worth 38
1: <laughs> points. Bringing Trish to 118 points to Gabriel's 59 points. Going into the final question. What was the best Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? Trish, you said Terminator 2. Shockingly, Terminator 2 was the number five answer worth only eight points. Bringing you a grand total of 126 points. Anything over 100 is pretty darn good. That's one of the higher scores. So be proud of that. So, I am Gabriel. We're going to your final answer. You gave us the Terminator, which was the number one answer. You need 59 points. I know it's Bye. not worth
4: 50. There's no way.
1: <laughs> was it worth 59?
4: Survey said,
1: I'm sorry, it's worth 39 points.
4: <laughs> oh. And,
3: and I only said Terminator 2 because I knew you would have said Terminator. There's yeah. no way, uh, and and I don't like any other of his movies. Stop whining.
4: Commando's <laughs> Stop. up there. Commando. I never saw it. I never oh, saw that it. That one. That one's good. It's got lots of really good classic Arnie quotes.
1: The top five for Arnold Schwarzenegger was The Terminator, Conan the Barbarian, Predator, Kindergarten Cop, and Terminator 2. Which is funny because we had Facts of Life game in an earlier episode, and I think Terminator Two was like the number one on the poll. So yeah,
3: that's why that's another reason why I picked it too, because I remember that episode and yeah. I was like, oh, Terminator Two, that's the one.
1: Yeah, I probably would have picked that as well. But you know, these are people on Facebook and <laughs> they make their own rules.
4: <laughs> um,
1: but that means Trish, the dish, you have won the game. Congratulations. Whoa! Trish, for winning round three, I offer a chance at a prize by me placing bids on my eBay watch list on your behalf. I will place multiple bids on the listing chosen in secret by you until I am the high bidder. If that bidding holds up till the end of the auction, then I will buy that item for you. Good luck. Let's take a look at the prizes Trish had to pick from a vintage 1980s baseball with Tony the Tiger's face printed on it. The listed condition of the ball is great. <laughs> An electronic keychain that has lines from the movie Princess Bride recorded on it at the touch of a button. Batteries are only mostly dead. <laughs> a garbage pail kid card, Gambling Gabe, features a slot machine hitting a jackpot of vomit as a payout. That's that's almost better than Gooey Gabe.
4: That was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Gooey Gabe is like just like this like blob of like goo it's just like, stuck on everything. <laughs> He's got this terrible horrified face like I can't do anything. I'm stuck on stuff.
1: That was my card. <laughs> or she could have picked. An authentic second-place medal from the love boat itself on Princess Cruises. Your friends might not believe you won first place, but they might buy that you won second place.
3: (laughs) Isn't that weird? That's so
0: strange.
1: And finally, a vintage lapel pen from the movie When Harry Met Sally. The pen and listing are from France and featured what looks like Sally giving Harry a lap dance. Uh, The French are more sexually open than us uptight Americans. So why shouldn't their pin be too? (laughs)
3: Aren't these great, Gabriel? I had such a hard time.
4: (laughs) Oh, man, there there are some good ones in here. Yeah. Uh. Okay, Trish, please reveal to us the prize that you chose.
3: I chose the Princess Bride keychain with the batteries that are only mostly dead.
1: Awesome. Trish, are you happy with this selection? Because you can either keep your selection or... You can take what's inside the mystery box. Who's
2: in the box?
1: Anything could be in this box.
2: What's in the
3: box.
1: So you can take the sure thing, or risk it all with the box.
3: Well, Zabe, I'm a huge fan of your podcast, and I have learned that what's in the mystery box is is usually not nearly as good as what's <laughs> on the eBay.
2: <laughs> okay,
3: I'm, and I'm going to say that, and it's going to be the coolest thing ever. Um, but, well, I'm going to go with that, the the Princess Bride talking keychain.
1: Okay. Anything can be in this box. We have a new format. But if you're going to stick with the Princess Bride talking toy, that's fine. We can do that. Would you like to know what's in the box?
2: Yes. What's in the fucking box?
1: I'm sorry. I can't tell you what's in
2: the
3: box. No! Oh! oh, it's for the next guest. <laughs>
1: We're going to let that roll over to the next episode. Nice. So let's bid this listing up. Oh my God. We are the high bidder.
0: Wow. Gonna, I can't
1: gonna,
3: imagine why. It's going to happen.
1: <laughs> Considering there are no prior bids, it's not much of a surprise. But we are the high bidder at $4 with $4 shipping from Huntington Beach, California, is where this listing's at. I will be in Huntington Beach this weekend. Maybe we can just swing by and pick it up. Save four bucks.
3: <laughs>
1: Congratulations, Trish.
3: Yay. Thank you. That was so much fun.
1: Thank you so much for checking out the show. We know you have a vast ocean of choices for your podcast and enjoyment, and it is simply amazing that you've chosen to spend a little time on our little show. Thank you so very much. If you like the show, you can join us on Facebook or our Facebook group of the same name. We post fun Gen X content there every day, and the community gets into some lively topics that I'm sure you're going to enjoy. If you'd like to contribute directly to the show, we have a Patreon account set up at patreon.com slash X contributions there go directly towards keeping the show going, offering better prizes for the contestants and all around improvements for future episodes at our Patreon site. You will see special offers for becoming a contributor to the show. So take advantage of those. If you are interested, if you like what we're doing here and want to save Gen X from being forgotten and can afford a few bucks, two dollars you can contribute there. If not, please consider us next time. In either case, thank you so much for listening to the show. Once again, I'd like to thank my guests for being on the show.
4: Gabriel, anything you'd like to say before we leave the show? Yes, I would. So just want to say hey to my friend Ray, who hosts a live Twitch stream called Shadow Time on Friday nights. Ray has curated just fantastic music and a lot of really fantastic songs. And uh, he's got some great vinyl from uh, from the 80s. So it's called Shadow Time. You can go find it on twitch.tv forward slash Raymont Cantil. That's R-E-Y-M-O-N-T. C-A-N-T-I-L. Raymond Cantil. Shadow time.
1: We will for sure post a link on the show notes. So check out the show notes to check out his show. Wonderful. Thanks so much for being on. And it has been a honor for me to have Trish the Dish on the podcast today. Just as a personal note, Trish, hearing your voice and being able to interact with you on the show today has been such a thrill for me. Honestly, it's like talking to somebody famous. It's It's been an honor. So. Thank you so much.
3: Just hearing you say that, like my face is hurting because I'm smiling so much because the feeling is so mutual, Zave, like I just love this podcast to death. I'm so delighted that you that you like my humble show. And for anyone else that wants to check out the Gen X voice podcast, where you can hear Gabriel and I chat about things, go to either um, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, or you can go to genxvoice.com and find all of my social medias, blogs, and links to episodes. Or you can also just find me on all the socials at Gen X Voice. I especially like posting on Instagram when I'm doing an episode. So anyway, the Instagram is mostly dedicated to my guests, but there's also a Facebook group and yeah, just check it out. And Zabe will be a guest here in the future too, for Mm -hmm. season two. So we're super excited. So yeah, check it out. Gen X voice.
1: Yeah. I've never been on a real podcast before, so this is exciting for me. I look forward to it. (laughs)
3: You are a real podcast, Zay. This is a freaking awesome show. I love it so much.
1: Well, if you guys, the listeners, enjoy this show, I think you guys will really enjoy the topics that Trish comes at with her. She has a very specific point of view when it comes to discussing Generation X content. So while we get kind of silly and just kind of celebrate stuff through trivia, I think Trish really gets into the weeds and tugs at the heartstrings of what it is to be Generation X. And your point of view when it comes to different generations and how they should interact with one another, Trish, has really been enlightening for me. And I want to say it's it's been a great listen.
3: Oh, thank you. That means the world to me. Yeah, we're trying to destroy ageism one generation at a time, but mostly focusing on how rad we are.
1: Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Check out the show notes for a link to Trish the Dishes show, Gen X Voice. Before we go, I'd like to leave you with a cliffhanger question. If you know the answer, please reach out to me on our Facebook group page, or you can email me at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. Also, if you have any feedback for the show, would like to submit a trivia question or segment an idea, or if you would like to be a contestant on the show, you can reach out to the judges at that email address as well. If we use your idea or questions on the show, we'll be sure to give you a shout out. Once again, that email address is whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. And now, this episode's cliffhanger question is, in the sitcom ALF, what was ALF's first name? Correct answers to the cliffhanger question will be put in a drawing for a prize at a later date. Last episode's cliffhanger questions have been posted on the Facebook group page so you can find out all the details there. Well, that's it for the episode, everybody. Thanks again for checking out the show. We welcome you to subscribe to the show for future episodes where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X. Later.
2: The flight of Mr. Robert Wilson has ended now. A flight not only from point A to point B, but also from the fear of recurring mental breakdown. Mr. Wilson has that fear no longer, though for the moment he is, as he has said, alone in this assurance. Happily, his conviction will not remain isolated too much longer. For happily, tangible manifestation is very often left as evidence of trespass, even from so intangible a quarter as the Twilight Zone. I have to push the Pramalot.
0: <laughs> uh, on second thoughts, let's not go to Camelot. It is a silly place. Right. right. And view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save